Welcome into Bears Weekly, powered by IGS Energy, a Chicago Bears network production. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Athletico Physical Therapy, Bet Rivers. Also brought to you by CDW, Connie's Pizza, and Miller Lite. Here are your hosts, Jeff Joniak, a.k.a. the Mayor of Bearsville, and his sidekick, Tom the Surfmaster Thayer. Feels kind of strange. You know, we're used to these uh, short weeks. We've had plenty of Thursday nighters. In fact, uh, a year ago, week six, against the same Washington club, came into Soldier Field 1-4, one and four, one of the four worst teams in the NFL at, at that point in the season. And uh, Washington comes in and gets a win. They won seven out of the last 12 games, finished 8-9. and nine. And given the performance on Sunday against Denver and the near miss and the, uh, the pain of losing that game, Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, I don't know about you. I'm I'm way moved on. I, I am. It's it's weird. It's only Tuesday. I've been diving in deep into Washington. We leave tomorrow, and hey, let's play another one and get that bad taste out of the mouth. How you doing tonight? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's equally as busy for us as it is the players. They're more on their feet and they're more learning a new game plan. But we have a lot of obligations that usually we have a little time to fulfill. But now we have no time, and we still have to fulfill those same obligations. But you know what? The one thing that I, I, you know, I wish it wasn't a Thursday night game because I wish the bears had more to take away from this tape on the things they did good, the things that they can build upon the things that they could use in this week's game plan. I think there are some things you could use, but you would like to have a little bit of time to study, think about them, go over them, you know, re rehash them over in your mind and on tape, but you don't have that luxury. But um, I still think they learned a lot about themselves of things they can use moving forward. Now, it's interesting because the defensive coaches met with the media here today up at Hallis Hall, where I'm situated right now. And uh, I was talking to Travis Smith, and we we're talking about, and we'll hear some of it, loafs and, and near misses on sacks so far this season. And he, he, he thought I was just talking about, this week's guy I said no for the because they haven't even gone through the full grading of that tape because there there is no time so it is right. a real it's real I mean you you lived it in your career on short weeks so it's on to something else so you know you saw a lot on tape that was good and today Justin Fields did as well and a tip uh, that he feels now is maybe the tip of the iceberg of confidence growing for the offense I think so um I think uh, that is the case. You know, like I said before, I think we took a step in the right direction as an offense. Uh, we know we still have some things to work on, but um, I think, like I said before, we, we, we kind of uh, took a step in finding, you know, who we are as an offense, our identity, and, um, you know, just just really um, just just going out there and playing football. So um, you know, I think everybody definitely, uh, you know, took a step and is more confident going into this week, but... To be honest, you know, we always go in the games confident, but um, we got some guys down on defense right now, so we know we got to help out our defense by scoring points, you know, um, keeping our defense off of the field and, you know, um, you know, just setting them up for great field position when we don't score and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think the biggest team, the biggest thing for our team is, you know, playing complementary football, you know, all three phases, offense, scoring points, you know, defense, getting takeaways, and, of course, winning on special teams. So, um you know, uh, I know that's our sole job as an offense is just to, you know, how about the other two phases? Well, you know, interestingly, going back, you know, you saw a lot of man coverage uh, against uh, the Bears in this game. They switched to zone, and I'm assuming Ron Rivera will have plenty of all the above. 
And and so how he attacks this now moving forward after having his first 300-yard game, 100-yard receiver, 100-yard running back, Bears ran the ball well, 177 yards. What are some of the more detailed things that you liked offensively, the play designed by Luke Getze, the calls, how they were stacked, and how it all worked? You know, I, I like them using a flea flicker. I think it catches teams off guard and off balance. I like the quick pitch to Khalil Herbert when they were blitzing from the opposite side and opened up a clear running lane. I like the job that the offensive line did up front to open up opportunities for Khalil Herbert and Rashawn Johnson to be able to hit the hole in full stride, which their momentum and power carry them to the third level and beyond. What I liked most about the game was the arm confidence that Justin had in himself. Because, you know, when you look at some of those passes that Justin threw in the game, it's not people convincing him to do it. It's the coach calling the play and then Justin convincing himself that he has the talent to get the job done. And I think he personally took a step forward. And, you know, when you talk about the identity of the Bears and whatever you want to say, their identity is running the ball. And that's the way that you get the whole ball rolling downhill. If you run the ball effectively with Khalil Herbert and Roshan and whomever else is at the running back position, then all of a sudden it opens deceptive opportunities at the line of scrimmage, which includes play-action pass. If you run the ball successfully on first and second down, it opens up your options so much wider on third down and the ability to use all the receivers instead of just focusing on one that's DJ Moore. So I just think that it it's really opened the opportunity for this offense to grow in that uh, you know that very high you know that um, style of level where you don't want to do it incrementally. You want to take major steps instantly. Were you able to watch the Giants last night? Yeah, Giants in Seattle. So you know, with, without the threat of Saquon Barkley in the run game, it was tee off time. So, you know, and and more to it. I mean, that's a whole different type of style, whatever. But you got to have that play action. You got to have that ability that Justin needs for sure. Yeah. And, you know, you got to play smart football. You can't have these repeated mistakes made, whether they're penalties on defense or penalties on offense, because you see how destructive they are when you. Justin says complimentary football. Complimentary football is playing smart football as well. So when you have a a running game that you can travel with and and use the power of the offensive line, when you have the athleticism of Justin, if you can go there and just play a smart brand of football and don't make mistakes that sets you back in the course of a drive, that's almost impossible to recover from. So I I think that's a, a big part of the Bears' offense and defensive football going forward. Yeah, for me, uh, this game and, and every game moving forward, defensively on third down also. We forget about Justin for just a second in the offense, but third down has got to get better. This third and six-plus issue that's been going on, that's because it's, it's, a, it's a domino. I, I think you'd agree you're not getting off the field. That affects field position for the offense. It affects time of possession in the game. It, it gives the team that you're facing a, a better chance of scoring touchdowns and field goals because they keep moving closer to the goal line. And uh, I, I think that's a part of the complimentary football is is this issue right now. On third, there, there's no team worse in the league right now on third down and long than the Bears defense. 
Right. You know, one of the biggest um, things that really give your opponent a big boost is when you go out there and you convert a third down because that gets your sideline going. It gets the defense, uh, you know, your uh, opponent's defense excited because now they're cheering from the sideline and they're refreshing themselves. And so if the Bears defense can make some plays on third downs, and it's not just making plays, it's creating turnovers, it's getting big hits, it's forcing fumbles, it's leaving a mark on the opponent where you're kind of taking a little bit of a sting out of them because the initial hit is the hit that's getting these guys stopped. And then when you have hits that include a group effort, you know, you got to take a toll on your opponent. All right, coming up tonight, we've got former Washington quarterback, the Super Bowl winner, Doug Williams, a good friend of Tom Thayer. He'll be coming up here in a couple of segments. We've got our executive producer of the Bears Radio Network, Eric Ostrowski, Jake Cantu, Kendra Smith, and our ESPN studios helping us out, as always, Dan Brilli and Jordan Treadup. When we come back, we'll hear from other coaches today, Luke Getze, Travis Smith. We'll hear from Tremaine Edmonds, all bits and pieces of this quick week as they get ready to meet Washington. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is ESPN Chicago on the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer, good to have you along on Bears Weekly tonight as we get ready to head to Washington tomorrow. Bears will practice tomorrow, have open locker room, so we'll hear from more players on news of the day tommy a new safety aboard and he's a vet man he a lot of experience poached off the baltimore ravens practice squad he's 32 years old he's deron Harmon. you know him all those years in new england playing for right. bill belichick uh that guy's a ball hawk 23 career interceptions then to detroit uh atlanta in 21 so john hoke knows him uh they call him the closer in new england because that, that's that was his nickname and uh he and john developed a nice relationship so that uh, no doubt uh, helped get him here. He was in Vegas last year. He's played a lot of football, Tom. Uh, but he's a real smart guy, and I, I think that secondary, as young as it is, and all the injury concerns, every little bit helps right now. And I don't know what his status will be, but uh, he's on the roster right now. Yeah, you know, as quickly as you can learn uh, the assignments and what they're being taught here, the quicker that you can uh, get on the field and help contribute. But, you know, just a little sneak pre preview of the Bears game day live that we'll be doing from the sidelines in Washington. Jaquan Brisker is my player to watch because, you know, Jeff, even though they're bringing a new safety aboard and there's been a lot of shuffling of the defensive backs, I kind of need more out of Jaquan Brisker because he was the type of guy that was going to come in here and I thought that he would have a physical presence each and every game. I thought that he would figure in some of uh, – the reluctancy to catch the ball in the in the backfield because of the way Jaquan Brisker could play. And I thought he would offer a little bit more at or near the line of scrimmage. So I think this is the perfect coming out party for Jaquan Brisker. He had a huge game in New England last year. They went and played in New England. So just a little sneak preview, even though they're bringing in a 32-year at safety to come and contribute, which I want him to contribute, I want to see more out of this young player Jaquan Brisker do do you notice anything different on how he's being aligned and used than than well I 
I just think that you have to be cautious because you're not getting that immediate pressure on the quarterback by the four-man rush or even if you include another rusher there. And then you got to make sure that you keep him in the deepest of the deepest or in an area that he can provide you know, extra help in the defensive backfield. So I think it's just a product of not getting pushed with four that you have to be more protective in the back end. All right, let's go back to the offense. Uh, Luke Getze uh, on the offensive improvement in Denver at the podium today, the Bears' offensive coordinator. Well, I think, uh, you know, as you look at the, the way that that game played, um, you know, what we had 78 snaps instead of 50 snaps that we've had each of the first couple of weeks. So that part of it, you know, just shown that we're allowed to, we were able to play kind of the go into the game plan and play the way we wanted to play and we were able to run the ball. You know, we would have, we talked about explosives last week, how we were lacking that. We were able to go get those in the run game. And any anytime you're able to do that, that's going to open up other things for yourself. And so, um, you know, just a, it's, it was an opportunity for us to go out and uh, we executed a little bit better in each area and we were able to create more explosives and that, you know, always leads to more points. How do you evaluate, what, how do you discern how much of that is progress and how much of that was facing the worst defense in the league? Well, everybody in this league is really, really good. So I, I wouldn't take that for anything as far as who you're playing against from that from that extent. Uh, every challenge is different as well, right? We go up against a team this week that is loaded and, uh, you know, as good of a front five as there is in this league. And so it's a different type of challenge, um, but one we can build on, you know, as we continue to grow through the season. I'm glad he answered it that way because even looking at Washington, their defensive statistics are not sparkling, but we know what the players look like. I mean, we separate the stats from the actual talent, and uh, this game, it may be the best front four you're going to play all season. That front four is dangerous, and they may not be playing to their level of acceptance for Coach Rivera, but... I mean, this is and, – and the secondary can make plays too. This, this is going to be a handful. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I think Washington, uh, the defensive coordinator, and their team meetings, they're saying, hey, <clears throat> we just saw a performance on an offense that ran 78 plays like Luke Getze said. There was a lot more versatility in the offense. Listen, you better have complete awareness for a guy like D.J. Moore. And so there's compliments that the defensive coordinator has got to give – the Chicago Bears offense after what they saw out of Denver and no matter who they played, like Luke said, because whether you want to believe it or not, Justin is still in a really explosive player that could go off at a moment's notice. And if you get defensive linemen on Washington or that front that's a little exposes a little bit too much space or they get a little fatigue, and then that's when you can use you know, all facets of this offense and, and continue to attack with the plays looped like that he called this week. Well, well you know, we like the movement. We like the boots. Uh, obviously, one of the bootlegs uh, was the, the worst play of the game, right? The, the, the fumble and the sack uh, that, that has to be avoided in the future. But is this a challenge against this team now moving forward, as uh, Luke outlined today? A challenge every week when, when you have a guy like we have and everybody's planning for it, uh, and then now you put the level of talent that these guys have, it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, the, the two interior guys play the game as, as good as anybody in this league. Being able to diagnose what's going on, you know, get two hands on, a, on an offensive lineman, see what's happening in the backfield, and then react. Um, so it's a challenge. It's something that we have to do a really good job of, of trying to be creative and find ways to get, uh, you know, every aspect of our, of our game going. 
So you're going to still use that? You're going to still motion him, use nakeds, do that type of thing against this Washington team? Even more so. Okay. If he's talking about the two interior defensive tackles that are as good as you can get, you're not going to beat your head into a brick wall and get nothing out of it and go three and punt. But I tell you what, the the thing that demoralizes a good defensive line the most is a quarterback that you can't catch on the outside of the pocket. So now they're fighting against an offensive lineman trying to get free of their pass rush, and all of a sudden Justin or you know any of the guys, even quick passes to Cole, using Robert Tanya more, use the backs as, as ba- uh, pass catchers out of the backfield. If you start exploiting that edge of the Washington Redskins defense, and now you're putting ball carriers in front of defensive backs instead of trying to get them a running start against a talented defensive tackle, I mean, that's you know plan A number one in the history of the league um, of playing great interior defensive linemen. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. The the potential for Tevin Jenkins to return, he is full practice right now. I don't know if he's going to play or not. Getsy on that potential. Yeah, fortunately, you know, he's not one of the new guys, right? There's a lot of new guys, and it'll be hard for one of those guys to do that. But he's not one of the new guys, so that, that should comfort him a little bit more. Um, you know, he, we we, uh, we got some good work in through camp, you know, him on the left side. So we're excited to see where we go. We'll see how far he can go. We uh, get a chance to let him do a little bit today. I know it's walkthrough only, but uh, we'll see how the next day day or two goes, and then we'll, we'll just take it from there. Does he have a legitimate chance? Does he have a legitimate chance of going Thursday? I would assume he has a legitimate chance. Uh, we, but like I said, it's going to take another day or two to, to make sure that we all everybody feels good uh, with it. How you feel about it? I mean, he's in uniform. He's in full pads. If he is. Um, just put enough on display in his rehab um, with the trainers and all the other guys that have a hand in that. And then, uh, yeah, he's going to be there and ready to contribute if you need him. You know, at the beginning of the year, the biggest thing I hoped for was a drama-less year by Tevin Jenkins. And then you go and you have that type of injury in the Indianapolis training camp portion of the season, and all of a sudden now he's not there at all. So – you know, Tevin is still highly regarded in terms of what he could develop into as an offensive guard in this league, but he's also the same guy that has to prove it for, uh, what is there, 13 games left in the season. He needs to do it for, when they insert him in the lineup, he needs to finish the season in that position, in a stance, out of the blue tent, in helping your offensive line uh, develop, grow, and de- and get that chemistry that we've been talking about. No better guy to teach him than you. Uh, what was that, week four, 1985 at Minnesota? You get inserted into the lineup and never left. Week three. Nine years. My, week my three? first start was week four okay. against, the, against the Washington. Oh, uh, at yes. the time Redskins. Okay. Yes. Yep. I, I didn't realize that part of it. That was your first start. Okay. That was my first I, I, thought you, I thought you started the Minnesota game. No, that was a game in the first quarter. Kurt Becker was injured, right, okay. and I went into the game, and that was the game McMahon came in and threw all the yeah, right. the, the touchdown passes. We all remember that one. The, the, great, you know what? the great blitz pickup uh, by Walder. Remember that, that one? That, listen, that was a play that it was – so back then, depending upon where the blitzer came from, if they lined up inside the heels of the defensive lineman, he's my responsibility. If he comes from depth, he's Walter's responsibility. So he was coming up, going back, and so well, that was I Joey was, Browner. Yeah, no, 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 
No, go so ahead. Keep going, though. Keep going. I, I was in my stance, Jeff, and it was almost like it was a 10-minute stance because I'm in my stance and I'm going, God, I hope Walter and I are on the same page. I hope we're thinking right. I hope we do. And all of a sudden, I block my defensive lineman, and I see the peripheral vision. The blitz comes to the inside of me. And then I hear the reaction because McMahon threw the touchdown pass, but I think they were equally reacting to how physical – the hit was um, by Walter Payton on on the blitz pickup. And, and so with the idea that once you got there, you did everything in your power never to leave. That was my goal. My goal yeah. is when the opportunity was presented to me that I would never come off the field again. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming up next, we'll be joined uh, an interview we did on Monday. So there's a lot of talk about Sunday, both from a Washington perspective against Philadelphia and other things in the NFL, from the great Doug Williams, a two-time Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback, MVP for Washington. We break things down about his club because he's still a special advisor there in D.C. with the Commanders and uh, some, some really good stories about coaching, his rise through the ranks and his relationship with Tom back to the United States Football League, the original version. It's all coming up next here on Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. Want VIP access to every Bears home game, exclusive seating, sideline credentials, and more now available. Get the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. I just went online to watch that blitz pickup. I wonder. That was insane. That was insane. And, and that, and we were just talking about before the break, if you just joined us, this is Bears Weekly. Jeff and Tom with you, uh, getting ready to fly to, uh, I guess, Baltimore and yeah. then head yeah. over to Landover, Maryland. We're actually staying, I think, uh, in Maryland, so... Anyway, uh, the fact is, that must have made you sweat a little bit, you know, on that blitz pickup. Listen, Jim McMahon didn't start that game. He had just talked himself back in the game because we were losing. If Walter and I would have been on separate pages and we would have let that blitzer free, he would have hit and possibly re-injured McMahon. So there was a lot of things that are going through your mind, and that's what I always talk about, the increments of time that seemed like there was 10 minutes of information that went through my mind within 15 seconds. Uh, and remind me to bring this up when we hear from Travis Smith, the Bears uh, defensive line coach, just about everything that goes into one rush. He was going through it today. My, my mind was spinning. And you can't think. If you think you're beat. That's right. Uh, I can tell you this, though. I, I know this. This is knowledge. Uh, Doug Williams is a great guy. Doug Williams uh, kind enough to join us from Washington uh, for our podcast, Bears, etc. You can catch that uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays each week. Uh, we interviewed him on Monday. Uh, Tom set it up, good friend from his USFL days. But you're talking about a guy who uh, from Zachary, Louisiana, outside Baton Rouge, I believe, to Grambling in the mid-'70s, high draft pick, first-round pick at Tampa Bay, Arizona Wranglers to Washington, two-time Super Bowl winner, one of the greatest players in Washington history. But that – that's just scratching the surface of a man with a long resume and a deep love of the game of football. Some of our interview here now with his current senior advisor in Washington with the Commanders. Tom takes it away with Doug Williams. How is the influence of a defensive-minded head coach in Washington? Because you look at guys like Jonathan Allen and your defense as a whole, I think it's a solid defense. How is the transition with Ron Ben from new ownership to 
the head coach position that he's held down for a while now? Well, I think Ryan got here, this is his fourth year. Three years ago, you know, it was with the, the old ownership. And, and right. we knew defensively we had some people already in place, and then they brought in Chase Young, which everybody expecting, you know, this defense to really gel. You know, you got full first-round picks across the front line. Uh, to me, that's almost unheard of. So you expect this this team to gel. And I think Ron being a defensive coordinator, you got Jack Del Rio working with you. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, the other day might not have been as good as they would have liked for it to have been, but this defense has been playing pretty good. If you're a quarterback on the other team, it's one thing you know about this defense that, that they're going to get after you. And, and, you know, I like what they're doing. And if they can keep doing it and everything come together and put this offense together, which played well uh, yesterday, uh, I think eventually, you know, we'll, we'll be happy with what's going on. What should we know about your starting quarterback? Hey, you know what? You know, we drafted him last year in the fifth round. He's talking about a kid that a lot of people had him uh, in the first round. And then he, he went and fell to us in the fifth round. I watched him last year in training camp. And I just like the moxie. This kid got quarterback moxie, and that's what I call it. He had great arm, and if you watched him yesterday at all, you realize that he's smart. He runs when he has to, and he could run. He can escape the pressure, but sometimes, you know, he might hold on to the ball a little longer than you expect. But the way he played yesterday, he played well enough to win, and and that's why I look at him. And the more he played, you know, I was just his fifth, fifth start of his whole life. This is his second year. And the way he played yesterday, I, I can't see nothing but him getting better down the road. You know, Doug, it seems like every time, every week, there's coaches that have questionable calls and challenges. Yesterday, Matt Eberflus going for it on fourth and one rather than kicking the field goal. Ron Rivera kicking the extra point instead of going for two. You've been a head coach. How how challenging is that instant? No matter what level you're coaching but the thought process of of that decision. You know, the thing about that, whatever you whatever decision you make during that game, if it doesn't work, if you think about it, the next day you would have made another call, you've been right. right. You, think about it, <laughs> right. You, you don't have that time to think about it. And when you make that call, let me say this, you're doing what you think is right for the team. You know, no matter what it is, I don't think no coach going to make a call expecting for it not to be the right call. When they make that call, you know, like Coach Gibb used to always say, it's a gut feeling. I think when they make that call, they feel like it's going to work. So uh, it's hard to argue with a coach. Um, you know, I mean, as a coach in college, I made some bad calls at the time. I, I, to this day, I sit here and think about Alabama State on fourth down. We got the win. And, and and not call a safe punt. We wouldn't fake <laughs> punt on. I, I think about that now, and that's been over 10 years ago. I still look at that game and realize that I probably made a mistake by not calling timeout and telling the special team, don't rush the punt and just sit back for safe punt. <laughs> you know, I got, I got to give this uh, compliment to you, Doug, because uh, not only did you have a great playing career and won Super Bowls, you you love the sport so much. You got into coaching and you started at the high school level. You, know, you started the high. Your I believe your first college job was at of all places Navy as a running back coach. No, I was I was running back coach at uh, Navy. Yeah, Navy, Navy Academy. Wow. Yeah. So so okay, he's a running back coach, and then you start working your way up the ladder, going into the college game. Then you transition out of that back into the NFL as an administrator, as a personnel man, and and your current role still in this sport, like you didn't ask for anything special. You had to work your way up. 
I mean, my, my oldest brother was a, was a high school basketball coach and a principal. And, you know, I just wanted to be involved. And when I went to high school, you know, the greatest thrill of my life was when I went back to my own high school coaching on Doug William Field, mm. and we had the first undefeated season in school history. And then we went to playoff, and we got a chance to win two big games and bring Peyton Manning to Doug William Field. Wow. And we, we ended up beating Peyton Manning in the playoff. We both was was undefeated. You know, they was number two in the, in the state. We was number six in the state. And we brought them to our field. They had Archie Manning. They had Eli Manning. They had every coach in the <laughs> SEC on Doug Williams Field. That was a great feeling. And, wow. and you know, it, it was a small school behind the pines. That's what we call our field. And we ended up winning that game, man. And now, you know, when I go home and see some of the guys that play for me, you know, the most fulfilling time I ever have when I see them with their family. And the one thing that I always remember is the fact that they beat Peyton Manning. You know, you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. They beat Peyton Manning. You know, that made they watched Peyton Manning play in, in pro because why? They they realized they beat him. And that was a good feeling to see a team, you got 15, 16, 17 year old kids, you know, strolling across the field on a rainy night when they end the season undefeated, man. That's that's a great feeling. I know the Super Bowl is something you can't take away, but to watch young people do what they did that night, that was a good feeling for me. Doug, I don't, I don't want to leave you without asking you this question because in 1985, we were 15-1. We went on the Super Bowl. The next two years after that, we were 14-2 and two and 13-3 and three in the regular season. The, the pregame preparation for Washington when they came in to play the Bears, was there a realization that you guys had a good game plan together or does Joe Gibbs talk about preparation and then going out and play? And, like, what was your guys' frame of mind when you came to Soldier Field? Because, it, you know, frankly, it was some of the most disappointing losses of my career, but I always think about the preparation of Washington when they came in here. Well, you know, we always prepare the same way. You know, Joe Gibbs never had a game plan. I can tell his secret now. You know, it don't matter. <laughs> you know, he never used the same game plan Three games before, he threw it out the window and started something else. And, you know, we went in on the, on the Tuesday. We off on the Tuesday. Went in on the Wednesday. Got a board full of plays. Went over the plays. Went out to walk through. Come back in. Take some plays out. Go out to practice. The next day, he pared down. And, you know, he, he picked things that he felt like going to work against the people that he played against. We knew from a defensive standpoint that Chicago at that time had the best def- defense, to be honest with you, in the league. And the other part of the thing that played the equation in this game was the weather. You know, remember, it was 13 below that day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the night before the game, Coach Gibb told us this, this joke <laughs> with uh, Deion Tavern when he was with St. Louis Cardinals. You know, they were talking about how cold it was. And um, then Coach Coach Gibbs told him a story about Eskimos on the, working on the, on the Alaskan pipeline. You know, you had the Americans who couldn't who couldn't come out there and finish because of the, the bitter cold, but they got Alaskans out there that can go out there and work for eight hours, eight hours, and then he, he said, Deion Tarrant asked him, "Hey, coach, what if tomorrow when we play, we playing against the Eskimos?" <laughs> so you know, the mental part of it was was the fact that we got three hours, three hours of this bad weather, cold weather, to go against one of the best defense in in the league. And uh, we was fortunate enough to pull it out. I mean, we was down fourteen nothing, 
And, um, you know, yeah. Ricky Sanders and Clint Delia had two. And, you know, made it 14, 17. Y'all were leading 17, 14 and uh, messed around and punted to uh, to Darrell Green. And yeah. he ran it back. We ended up winning yeah. 14, man. That's, that, was, that was historic. And I remember walking off the field and uh, Walter Payton, I never forget, you know, he walked up to me and he said, hey, man, yeah, if I can't go, I want you to go. And that was the last time Walter played, man. That was a good feeling. He's a good man. What I love is you guys have such a clear recall of what happened. Like the exact, I mean, you don't forget those signature moments in your careers, right? Like, no, you, you don't. Doug, Tom could not wait to talk to you today. Seriously. That's my man. I'm telling you, man. I'm, I'm still thinking about Arizona now, man. Coach Frank Cush, bless his soul, man. Tell me, tell me a story about, give me one story from each of you from the USFL. I, I remember Doug pulling up. I think it was a 280 SL diesel Mercedes. And, man, you could hear it coming for blocks. And, and to me, I thought it was big time because I, I was just a, a punk kid growing up, starting my football career, and all my desires was to be in, in the NFL and make it work for me. But um, just had so much admiration for Doug, and it, it grew every day. So, But I always remember the 280 S right. diesel. Yep. It was great. Yes, yeah, I remember. <laughs> you know, my time was that, you know, the respect of um, Frank Cush. You know, people always talked about Frank Cush and his colleague. We had Lick, Kid Latham with us and, you know, talk about how Frank grabbed people's helmet. But you know what I respect about Frank Cush was on Mondays, the whole team had to run two miles. Oh, my. And the, and the thing about that, he didn't make the team run. He led the team. Yeah. And that was the good part about Frank Cush. I feel like here's a man who wants his player to do certain things, but at the same time, he did the same thing, and he led it. And when you, he was waiting on you when you finished, and that's who he was. And I enjoyed my time in, in, in Arizona. Yesterday at the Denver game, I ran into Mike Westoff, who was our offensive line coach, who's uh, historically a, a lifer right. in the football business. And he was talking about – how, you know, Frank Cush, you know, he's perceived differently, but Mike Westoff always had a great deal of respect for him in right. that type of way. Can you imagine if you went to a team meeting today and told the fellas, hey, listen, every Tuesday we're going to run two miles before we start the work week. <laughs> they would be looking at you like, well, where, are the, where are the hidden cameras? Because that's not going to happen. Let alone doing the 110s that Tommy had to do after double days with Ditka. At practice, at training about, camp. You talking about two miles? You know, we can't even get two a days out right. of these. Hundred percent. All right, we're gonna wrap it up with this, Doug. We respect you so much uh, and your view of the game from uh, when you started playing to where we are right now, and you've been a part of the whole process, really, the the evolution of the NFL. What is your opinion of the state of the game right now and where it's headed? You know, I, I know there's a lot of things that has changed from the physical part of it. You know just watching some of the penalties that are called on big hits and stuff like that. You know, back in the day, that was that was part of the game. And, and as a quarterback, you know, that two-step rule didn't didn't matter to, to me and the other quarterback back in the day. I think they changed it for, for the, the good of the game because, you know, today this game is all about the quarterback. If the quarterback is healthy and he's a good quarterback, you, you want him to play. And I think they're trying to make it as safe as they possibly can. Some people make think they're making it a two-ain't-touch game. Uh, a lot of teams don't tackle as much in practice and training camp, and they say that's probably the reason why. But at the end of the day, I think it's still a game. Watching the game last night against Kansas City and, 
and the New York Jets, man, I saw the Jets defense uh, played out of their out of their mind. That was great. He, they had the, the quarterback frustrated. They didn't know what to do, and it's good to see that, you know. But it's bad to see Aaron Rodgers looking at that game. You wonder what it would be with with New York if he was playing right. today, you know. And I think that's that's the worst thing. The guys that that probably should be playing that's not playing, but it give people an opportunity to play this game. Uh, it was just a portion of a, a long conversation with Doug Williams, Tom, and that leads us right into you know Pete Carroll today upset over that tackle on the sidelines of Geno Smith called it a drop hip tackle uh and he says he wants it out of the game he doesn't care about the penalty he goes quote we just got to get that out of ball it's so dangerous uh so and it was uh, it, it, listen isaiah simmons in the instance of time jeff you don't have a chance to adjust your body weight or you're just thinking about stopping whomever the ball carrier is it would be like saying um the safety that just came back, played nine plays, went to tackle the quarterback and got hit in the head by his, by the leg of the quarterback and got knocked out. And um, listen, you can't control that either. If you only gave a tackling target of maybe 10 inches on the human body, you're, you're going to ruin football. It's just the unfortunate side of some of the uncontrollable. All right, Tom, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue to break down Bears and Commanders. It'll be coming up on Thursday night right here on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly brought to you by CDW. People to get it, Jeff and Tom with you as we get you set for Bears and Commanders. Travis Smith, the defensive line coach, Meeting the media today as the defensive coaches and offensive coaches alternate every other week. Pass rush the topic, Tom. Only two sacks so far this season. I think when you look at this where you're looking to have more success and more production right here, the first thing you want to do is look at are we doing the basics correctly? Uh, are we making sure with the guys that are in there, whether it is, hey, whether it's we're looking, all eight guys are going to rush. And all, even I told you Billings, who will be in certain situations where we're looking at pass rush situations. Um, and he's one of those guys that you look at, hey, if you look at quarterback pressure, he might be the highest one in the room as the 330, 40-pound plus nose. And that just shows you it, 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 it doesn't exactly have to do with who the man is or what the number on his chest is. It has to do with the way they play. He's a great example of that. It's the way and the disposition he plays with that he's able to affect the quarterback the way he does. Um, and so when I say that, though, we got to look at, hey, are we getting off on the ball? Are our eyes on the right thing? Are we reacting to play action sets the way we are doing? And do what are we doing from a rush effort standpoint? Are all four guys relentlessly trying to get to the X? If that stuff's all great, okay, then what can we do to improve that part? What can we do to make sure that we are finishing better on the quarterback? What can we do to make sure that, hey, from our rush plan this week, is he's another mobile guy that can move around and get out of the pocket? Is there something we got to do to make sure that we can use some of our guys' abilities to the best of ability? Well, we got to make sure we're handling. Are we aligned right? Are we getting off on the ball? All right. Are we beating those guys to a spot, and are we forcing the O line to set the way that we want them to set? Because there's a lot of problems too. You see with that, all of a sudden you got guys says, well, "How's it going to set me?" It's too late by then. Ball's out. Can you quantify miss sacks? How many? Uh, we, there's too many, too many right now. I got it on my board. I don't want to say there's too many right now, and it's and it's written on the board in big letters. If you ever go in there, you got the amount of sacks. You got the missed ops, and uh, what is it? We got missed ops. 
uh, hits and sacks. And the missed ops, where there we we put up there exactly how many that should have been had, is far too big right now. Can you ballpark that for? Can you give us some sense? I'm not even gonna say it right now. It's too many. <laughs> what defines a pass rush loaf for you? Uh, from snap to finish. Driving trucks. So you think about that being down the middle, pad levels too high, looking for the ball, um, not getting off on the ball, uh, not second effort. So any of those things. But usually we talk about finish every down unblocked. Finish every down and block and pass rush too. So if you finish right here and I'm head up on you and I'm looking for the quarterback, but I'm not playing with extension, I'm not moving my feet, I'm not working to an edge, that's a pass rush loaf in our mind. And how is that level going? Um, I think if you look at effort from a standpoint in the game that um, we haven't fully, fully, fully graded just because it's a short week. Just but for the season. For the season right now, I think it's good. It's not great. It's not great at all. It needs to improve. So you think about one play, it takes, you know, Less than five seconds to complete unless somebody goes and makes a big play. All of that on the defensive line of scrimmage, all that an offensive lineman has to do, it's just not just uh, you know putting your feet in the ground, put your dirt, uh, hand in the dirt and go rush. This, this knowledge but- that has to have taken root and what the alignment is and what you're looking at. My goodness. But you know, Jeff, you know, don't think you're unfair because you need to ask for a lot. The average football play lasts four seconds. In the totality of an entire game, there's 11 minutes of action. So when you talk about loafs or non-productive plays or how you have to focus your attention, you look at two plays from this past week's game. Demarcus Walker tackle for loss. Great angle of attack, put the offensive lineman in an unblockable position, then reacted off of him, made a tackle for a loss. Then they got Andrew Billings, where they're trying to screen to the left-hand side. He immediately, through his process of rush, he he reads that the offensive lineman has released him too easily, and he takes off on a sharp lateral angle, and, and Russell Wilson has to turf the football. So every single play is different, but every single play, their defensive line is capable of making a play if they do their job according to plan. So we're not asking for an unrealistic amount of effort. You're asking for four seconds of play uh, of action. Great stuff from Travis Smith. Coming back, we'll hear from John Hoke. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak, on the Bears Radio Network. And this segment of Bears Weekly brought to you by Athletical Physical Therapy. Visit athletical.com to request an in-clinic or virtual appointment and start feeling better tomorrow. Final moments with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Uh, one more interview, chunk of John Hoke, Bears uh, secondary coach, uh, also the pass game coordinator, Talking about the rookies, they're thrown in there, right? You got Jalen Johnson, who could return this week, but Tyreek Stevenson, Terrell Smith, uh, the rookies. How how have they fared so far? Oh, there's no question. You know, it's like anything. You want to be a good writer, write. You want to play a good football player, play football. You want to play golf, be a good golfer, play golf. So the more reps they get, uh, they'll improve. They'll keep getting better. Uh, every every play is a valuable play, and it's experience. You know, you look at some of those guys that uh, that. You guys have been around and covered. Can you imagine the number of, of practice reps and game reps? A guy like Brian Erlacher logged in all his years, Charles, all those guys. So as long as, you know, and these guys, are they're, they're conscientious. They're, they they want to do it the right way. You know, they love the game of football. And they and every rep you got to maximize, and it just becomes – 
Okay, that's an experience. All right, this is going to be another experience. Every play is going to be a new experience for them. But the more they play, the better they'll get because they'll start recognizing things faster. What have you learned about them? About them? Uh, they like to play. They're, they're, uh, they, they look like it's not too big for them. You know what I'm saying? They're pretty composed, and they have a lot of confidence in themselves, and, and we have a lot of confidence in them. And, you know, I was uh, – you know, I thought they, they held up good. You know, they, they went in there with the right mindset. And, uh, you know, obviously the end result wasn't what we wanted. But as long as they keep improving, you know, that's going to be a big thing for them. All right, and they got a good receiving core to deal with. And uh, what, what's your thought on uh, the quarterback of Washington right now? Big Sam. Big Tom. Oh, I think he's uh, – I was waiting for John Hulk to answer. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Sam Howell, like, you, know, you got like, a minute. Like, you got a minute. Like Doug Williams said, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of college experience. He wasn't drafted to the mid-round, so that kind of always forces those types of guys to put in that little extra effort because they're never going to get that. Um, we used to have a reference to first-rounders. We used to call them a special. They were in a special club. As a fifth-rounder, you're not going to be a part of that special club, so you're going to have to work every day to impress. All right, well, it should be fun heading to uh, take on the com- commanders. See Ron Rivera, the ex-Bear, your Bear teammate, now uh, running the show over there in his fourth year. Cole Komet gets to see his uncle Jeff Scanina, the defensive line coach in Washington, and it is a good one. That's going to do it for us. We want to thank uh, Washington great quarterback Doug Williams, Eric Ostrowski, Jake Cantu, Charlie Bevins, Dan Brilli and Jordan Trotter for Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you on the radio on Thursday night. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah will take you tonight right down the wire. That'll do it for Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears Weekly, hosted by the mayor of Bearsville, Jeff Juniak, and Surfmaster Tom Thayer. Podcasts are available on the Chicago Bears official app. Bears Weekly has been brought to you by Apple Podcasts, Bet Rivers, IGS Energy, and Miller Lite.